can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Hey guys, Hannah here. I am your host today. Welcome to our limited edition series, Beauty IQ After Dark. For the next few weeks, I will be exploring sex, intimacy, and pleasure with some of the biggest names in the industry. As our founder Kate said when we first launched our sex category, we all deserve a tasteful, safe, and inclusive space to be curious, have fun, and be powered to do whatever makes you feel good about your body. Each week, I will be joined by a guest co-host, and this week, I'm welcoming fellow podcaster Bianca Ismolovsky. On today's episode for The Cringy Convo, Bianca and I will discuss how to choose the right vibrator for you. Then we are joined by the one and only sex with Emily and then of course the products we didn't know we needed. This episode contains adult content of a sexual nature. We discuss sex and masturbation throughout the entire episode. So if that's not your vibe, no pun intended, skip to one of our regular episodes which drops every Monday. All right guys, it's time. Let's talk about sex. So welcome to our limited edition series, Beauty IQ After Dark. I would like you to meet today's guest co-host, Bianca Ismolovsky. She is a comedian and fellow podcaster from Melbourne. She hosts the podcast Damsel Understressed, which follows her journey as she navigates life following her recent separation. Hi, Bianca. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) So excited to have you. Now, you're also a Voosh ambassador, so I thought you'd be perfect to talk about all things masturbation and vibrators and sex. What we want to discuss on today's cringy combo is how to choose a vibrator because it can be super overwhelming. Do you know what I find the most overwhelming thing about vibrators? Let me know what you think, but they all look so different. Like, and some of them don't even look like vibrators. (laughs) Different shapes, different textures, different materials. It's very confusing and overwhelming. Yeah. I have one that looks like I, I was trying to describe it to someone and I said, it looks like a gun. And, <laughs> and the person was like, sorry, I don't think you want your vibrator to look like a gun, but okay. Okay, what is that one? It's called the Womanizer Duo. So it's internal and it also has a vacuum oh, at the top. Can you, so you can kind of imagine the like yes, yeah. the, the shape of it. Yeah. Already envisioning it, yeah. <laughs> so when I'm choosing a vibrator, I've like written a list of things that I take into consideration that might be helpful for other people. So I thought we kind of chat through each of these. So first of all, I think one of the most important things is noise level because if you don't live alone, <laughs> you don't want it to be like a jackhammer going on inside your bedroom. I agree. Well, I live alone now, so that's great. I can masturbate anywhere now. I want. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah. You do want a quiet one. And I think that that's where the struggle comes because I like power. Yes. But power often is loud. So, yeah. Or like ones that have beads in them. Yes. Okay. Moving around beads. Like I don't want all of the fanfare, something that's going to make noise. So the one that I spoke about before, the gun one, it's actually called the duo. That one actually only turns on once it comes in contact with your body, which I think is really fancy that's fan. it's expensive but it's fancy it's like a touch lamp for your vagina yes exactly <laughs> I love that analogy <laughs> that's so crazy I've never heard of this 
the second thing that I look at because I travel a lot is size. So actually my go-to travel companion is the Vouche, the Empress. Mm. It never disappoints and it's really small and it's also like you could probably, I don't know if you'd want to, but you could potentially take it on your travel on carry-on luggage because. Oh, 100%. It's so small. So And small. it's unassuming. You wouldn't know what yeah. it is. It doesn't look no. like a sex toy. It looks like, do you know what it looks like? It looks like um something to check the temperature of your yes, ears. Yes, it does. <laughs> it looks exactly like an ear temperature thing. So, so if you get stopped at the airport, you just say, yeah, like I have an ear infection. I need to check the temperature exactly. of my ears. And it's quiet. So even if you turn it on, like, so my mum bought one because I have a discount code and she bought it and she was like, well, I, my friend and I, it arrived and my friend was over and we were playing with it, like, you know, yeah. trying to see what it does. And she's like, it does nothing. There's no sound. I mm. couldn't hear it. And I was like, just wait. <laughs> yeah. You want it to be gentle. And then she was like, well, I used it and I just, I, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. And I was kind of like, do you? do you know where your clitoris is or, or not? Like I'd hate to impose that question, but like, do you know? And she's like, yes, of course I know. But she's like, it's just too gentle. And I'm like, no, you want the gentleness. But also turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> can- yeah, turn it up. It's got more settings. It's like trying to dance to really soft music. Like yeah. it's very disappointing. <laughs> I need to feel it. The next thing that I had on my list is, is it just for you or is it to use with your partner? Because I have this one in my drawer at the moment. It's so big and bulky. Like I I just don't know how like logistical that's going to be in the moment. <laughs> like it looks yeah. like a back massager. Um, like <laughs> it's so it's so long that you could get right in the middle of your back. I know the exact one that you're talking about. I have different types of toys. Some are for personal play. Like my bigger ones are just for me because in the moment I don't have time. It's that's a me thing, but. The little ones like my Empress and I also have a Rose and I do have one of those like those ones that looks like a U mm-hmm. and it goes inside you while you're being penetrated. Ah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I f***ing love that thing. Yeah, <laughs> It's great. It is amazing. But that's one that you kind of need to use a partner for. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I have specific ones that are for play with a partner and then ones that are just for solo play but I know that some men are like intimidated by vibrators and they don't like Mm. it when a woman pulls it out uh during sex but I usually don't see them again if that happens but (laughs) yeah like I would never no one's ever said it to me but I've I've heard that like some men find it intimidating I've heard it too yeah and I just think yeah you should be intimidated (laughs) you can't do what this machine does like that's the thing it's not you're only human exactly you're only human like I remember I was on a date once with a guy and he was trying to tell me that I shouldn't get too used to a vibrator because I'll become so used to it that I won't be able to get off when a man pleasures me and I was like I very rarely do anyway Anyway. don't don't think I'll be missing out on too much that is the best that is the best response. I need to use that next time if that <laughs> yeah. ever happens to me. Yeah. All right. The next one I had here was if you need to use it in the shower or if you like to use it in the shower, is it waterproof? Which is a lot of the more expensive ones are waterproof. I think all yeah. of mine are waterproof, but mm-hmm. that's also something to think about. The next thing is what's your budget? Like on Adore Beauty, the vibrators are from $40 to $329. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I personally think it costs per wear, like a nice <laughs> pair of shoes. 
shoes. Yeah. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Have you ever bought like a cheap vibrator before <laughs> i actually haven't but i have i have a cheaper one that uses batteries it doesn't yeah. actually have a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you're better off just saving your money if you're gonna do it do it right because it's just not it's what i would assume a guy means when they say blue balls it's like it never really gets you there it's so close mm. but like just there's so far to go and it's just so yep. frustrating. Like, I mean, come on, it's 2021. <laughs> well, that brings me on to my next point, which is about what actually do you like? So I actually read somewhere that said, how do you usually self-pleasure? Like, what's your favorite thing? And that might really help you or like, what's your favorite thing during sex? And so that's a really good way to start to think about what kind of vibrator you would want to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we talk about internally, external, like everyone's different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, massively. I personally, masturbation-wise, I'm Mm -hmm. an external gal. Same. But if you are an internal gal, then you'd want to really focus on toys that are specific for that. Whereas, like, I do look for, like, clitoral stimulation most of the time. You know what you like. Exactly. That's the thing. Uh, you got to just know. But also it is good to experiment with different things. Oh, yeah. The next thing on my list was, and this is so important, but like we need to talk about this. The vibrator goes on your body. So you want to actually have a think about what it's made out of. So I usually go for medical grade silicon, which Mm -hmm. I think is a lot of the newer and more expensive vibrators do use that. So any thoughts on what it's made out of? Yeah, I go for silicon most of the time and I always have a good cleaner for them yes very true very true younger Bianca did not and that was a mistake as I've learned Mm. yeah really important that you wash your toys properly because the vagina is just like it's a sensitive ecosystem Mm. so just be careful what you put down Mm. there yeah now I thought this was a really interesting one was you need to be turned on by it so you've got to like the look of it which I never really thought of but some vibrators like the look of them I'm like no I don't like the look of that <laughs> and and now it makes sense like choose something that's going to turn you on yeah uh, some vibrators scare me a little bit like yeah, I, I don't yeah like the shape of it I don't know where that's meant to go I and I think that's for someone that's more experienced than I, I that's I'm not bold enough for this particular vibrator but yeah if it if it looks pretty and like, you know, aesthetically pleasing, then by all means, Mm. give it to me. Yeah, for sure. Now, I just wanted to have a quick chat about external because there's actually vibrating or suction. So, Vush the Empress uses um, suction and vacuum technology. There are some external vibrators that like have fins and there's actually one I don't know if you've seen smile makers the Frenchman but it's like it says on the product description tongue mimicking I'd never heard of such a word (laughs) tongue mimicking (laughs) so when you're choosing an external vibrator there's quite a few different choices and it will really depend on what you're looking for cool so we're gonna head off to our interview now with sex with Emily and then we'll be back for the product we didn't know we needed Emily Morse is the host of the longest running sex and relationship podcast, Sex with Emily. She has a doctor of human sexuality and is on a mission to liberate the conversation about sex and pleasure, which we are all about. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And we wanted to jump into our first question, which was 
female orgasms. What are the statistics around female orgasms? Where do we begin? There's an inequity with male orgasms. Men have more orgasms. That's the punchline. Majority of women are going to have orgasms through oral sex, through kissing, like just making out, being aroused, and hands, if they have an orgasm at all. But during penetrative sex, penis goes into vagina, only 20% of women are going to have an orgasm that way. So what I'm saying is the majority of women can have orgasms in a lot of other ways, usually masturbation, um, or if their partner performs oral sex on them, but that's, and then there's also an orgasm gap that shows that if you have a heterosexual couple, men are going to orgasm like 90% of the time and women like 40% of the time. Do you think that the media sort of portrays, because I think when you watch movies, you're under the impression that quick penetrative sex will result in climax. Yeah, the, that's that it's so focused on the penis, but what my mission on the planet is to show people that that's, that's not even part of it. Like when men are so obsessed with their penis size and oh my God, my penis, it's like, we wanna know like, are you a good lover to me? Do you know how to please me? Do you know how to warm me up and turn me on? And so, so I think this focus on penetration is just, it goes back to the beginning of time when we talk about sex being about procreation. I mean, yes, that's how a baby's gonna be made. And that's how a man is going to be more likely to orgasm. But the female erogenous zones are the external part of the vagina, the vulva. Um, it takes women about 20 to 40 minutes to have an orgasm. It takes men anywhere from six to eight minutes. So that's the orgasm gap. And that, that 20 to 40 minutes could be oral sex. It could be using your hands, your fingers, your mouth. So I just want women to feel, to understand that like you're not broken, there's nothing wrong with you. Just masturbate, figure out what feels good to you and then be with a trusting partner that is committed to your pleasure. Oh, 100%. I think I used to, until I heard that stat of like 20 to 40 minutes, I used to turn down oral sex like an idiot because I wouldn't come within five minutes and then I'd start to feel bad for him because I'm like, I'm just not going to get there and I'd get in my head about it. And then when I heard like 20 to 40 minutes, I thought, oh my God, how much oral sex have I turned down needlessly? Because it's not me that's, there's nothing wrong with me. Like that's just normal for me to take 10 to 15 minutes to get there. Right. How did you first learn that? I literally like a few years ago read a book about all about sex because I just thought I'm not good at this. Like I, I just don't know what it is about me. I don't know why I can't get there. And it was really good because it unpacked so much about all these preconceived notions that I had about sex and just made it so much easier to be like, oh yeah, it is awkward. It's okay to be uncomfortable in sex. It's okay to like laugh and be silly. And because I think in my head, I just thought, well, I'm not this crazed sexual woman I'm no Samantha I'm more like Charlotte and I and I just like because of that because I was so in my head I would be so uncomfortable I just I just hated sex and to be honest I would go through sex just to get it over and done with because for me the intimacy part the cuddles after was what I was doing it for that's how I connected with my partner but now I'm like fuck me yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll make up for it. But that's so many women walk around. That's why we turned out oral sex, though, is because we often think, well, it's taking too long. And we're looking at the clock. We're like, oh, it's been seven minutes. It's been, oh, God, he doesn't want to be there. Do I smell? Is it taking too long? And women just don't, again, we don't prioritize our pleasure. But how long do we are we going down on our partners for? 
right? We're like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. And so if we're not encouraging men, we're not telling them they don't, they don't have this information, you know, and we don't stand up for our own orgasms and advocate for it. It's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. You've said it's not about your partner giving you an orgasm. It's about us understanding what feels good and communicating it. So how can we have better orgasms? So it's not about your partner giving you an orgasm because we often think that, well, I know how I was right. I used to think that someday my prince will come and so will I. <laughs> and that's when, you know, he's going to understand my body. He's going to know exactly what to do. And then I came to realize that the guys don't know either. They don't know any more than we do. Even if they've slept, people are like, well, he slept with a lot of people. It doesn't mean anything. You could just keep pounding away at the same hundred different women, but it doesn't mean that you know how to please a woman or me. So what I mean by that is I realized when I was having disappointing sex that I needed to really take time with myself in my body, masturbate, use toys, fantasy, figure out my body, what is available to me. And it was like, oh my God, there's so much pleasure I can have. And once I started to go on that journey, I was then able to explain it to a partner and let them know what I needed. I could guide them. I could tell them. I could be like, nope, we are, we are not going into penetration right now because I need to be warmed up and this is what it looks like. So in a way, I'm responsible for advocating for my own orgasm. And I'm also responsible for choosing partners that want to please me. I was listening to one of your podcasts and I found this so interesting. Someone called in and was talking about their kind of their fantasy. And your first question to them was, do you and your partner ever talk about sex? And they said, no, like they never talk about it. And that was such a moment for me. I was like, oh, like they probably should be talking about it. Do you see that a lot with people? Every day. I swear to God, I probably wouldn't have a job if everyone talked <laughs> I'm telling you, and that's funny because that's the majority of my callers have never had the conversation about sex. They just believe that. I mean, and I think that's a lot of people in relationships, long-term relationships. They just think if they're in a long-term relationship, they never did it. And they're like, well, where do I, do I even, do I start now after 10 years or five years? Where do I start? And then my partner's going to feel bad and I don't know what to say. And so we just don't talk about it. And then people in newer relationships think if you have to talk about it, then it means there's something wrong. But it's really just a matter of sitting down with your partner saying, hey, I realize we haven't talked about our sex life. You know, let's, let's start from here. But our partner's not a mind reader. They're not going to figure it out. And yeah, the majority of couples will call me with a sex problem or individuals. And then they realize, oh, no, I never really actually talked to him. Or, or they say, yeah, I, I told him like last year that I wanted him to initiate more and it didn't happen. I'm like, well, that's not a conversation. That's like lobbing a command to somebody and they might not have heard you or understood exactly what you meant by that. And so we have to get really clear and specific if we want our partners to pay attention and for behavior to change. But isn't it so, yeah, isn't it so weird that we, like sex, the the act itself should actually be more uncomfortable than mm. the talk. Like we're naked, we're moving our bodies together, like it's super intimate and vulnerable. And yet talking about sex is the thing that people can't do. It's so weird that there's this massive stigma around just discussing it. I don't know why. That's it. I mean, that's my mission. Like, why can't we talk about it? Like we're talking about the weather, like sunny with a chance of orgasm. <laughs> And I'd love to hear a couple of the tips for people that it is a really uncomfortable or awkward thing to bring up with their partner. Do you have any kind of practical tips for them to to start the conversation? Yeah, I do. And on my website, it's sexwithemily.com. We have this guide you can download, a communication guide. But my my best tip to start, it's super simple. It's the it's the three T's. It's timing and tone and turf. So 
You want to have a conversation with your partner. Make sure the time's right. It's when you are just hanging out. Maybe you're going for a walk or you're on a road trip. You're in a calm, relaxed place. It is not when you are mad at them again for not taking out the trash or not doing something that you wanted. And it's so find the right time. The other thing is your tone. Your tone has to be open and curious and light. Like, hey, I realized that we haven't talked about our sex life before. And I just, I would love to find out like, what are the three most memorable times we've had sex? You go first or I'll go first. Or is there anything you fantasize about? Or let's take this yes, no, maybe list. I have this great sex quiz on my site. It's called the yes, no, maybe. And it has like 80 things on it. And it goes through all these sex acts. And you can check, is it a yes for you, a no, or a maybe? Mm. Dirty talk anal sex, spanking, cuddling, like everything's on there. Because people, I found that people need tools because it's very hard to have the conversation. Then the third thing is turf. You don't want to have the conversation in the bedroom. You want to have it outside the bedroom when, again, like maybe when you're going for a walk or a road trip, because then you're not making eye contact. It's still awkward. Then you're not, you don't have to make eye contact if it's weird for you. So I try to give people communication hacks to make the talk easier. So timing, tone, and turf. So I feel like, are you saying that good, so like this whole like good in bed thing, do you think it's actually being good in bed is actually being a good communicator? I really do. I think it's <laughs> being a good communicator, being present, paying attention. I don't think that it being a good lover or good in bed has to do with, oh, I went off to sex camp and I learned all these skills mm. and I know exactly <laughs> how to do this. You know, there's, there's no... That's not what it is. Every time you're with a new lover, it's such a great opportunity. You can like start again, start fresh. Let's communicate. I'm going to pay attention to what you're saying and how you're moving your body and I can kind of figure it out. But yeah, I don't think that I want anyone just shows up as the as the perfect lover, you know, unless they've had a lot of experience and they've communicated a lot with previous partners and they kind of know how to talk to you about it or watch your moves and can kind of see, oh, I can tell that you want this thing or that thing. So, but, but typically I think it's about being a good communicator and it's also about being open-minded and taking your ego out of it. I like that. Taking your ego out of it. That's why we don't talk about it because we're so afraid that our partner, if we say to our partner, we've never talked about sex and we're like, Hey, let's talk about our sex life. They go, they go to, Oh my God, my penis is as small as I thought. Uh, what did I do wrong? Did I upset her? And it's like, we, we get so worried because no one ever talks to us about it. So that's why you have to be like, no, I love it. Here's all the wonderful things. I thought we could work on it together to make it even better. So egos are huge. That's why we stopped. And that's what we're worried. We're like, well, I don't want to hear what I'm doing wrong. So I think it's all mm. let it go and say, no one knows anything. And we're all starting to learn together. And also, mm. you know, like it's not about doing something wrong. Like we're doing the best we can with the knowledge we have, which is, yeah, mostly what we've seen on movies and TV, which is not accurate. So we're doing it blind. It's not that we're doing it wrong. I mean, if someone gives you tips with your tennis swing, you're not turning around and being like, you know, how dare you? But for some reason, when it comes to sex, we're just so, it's such a personal thing and we feel so vulnerable that we take it personally, but it's really not about that. Our parents weren't talking to us about it. Our former partners weren't. Sometimes our friends don't even talk about it. Yeah, so. totally. I uh, do a lot of work online about encouraging women to masturbate and I don't see a problem with talking about it, but the amount of women that don't masturbate because they're so ashamed 
of doing it. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe there's such a stigma around self-pleasure in this day and age. Like, but because it's just the way that we were raised, right? Like we were raised in shame, clouded in shame that there's so much shame around sex. We need to undo all of that. We do. We absolutely mm. do. Yeah. Abs- that, that's the number one thing I see is, is shame growing up in a household where it was discouraged or you were, yeah, you were shamed, you were blamed, you were told that it was only for marriage or only when you're with a partner or only whatever. There's a million different ways. And women women don't feel great about their bodies. They feel that it's somehow dirty or it's wrong and they there's such a disconnect. And so I think that the first step towards healthier sex, especially for people who love vulvas, is to masturbate and that's such a great way to learn your body and then learn to love your body because then you realize or even like it and realize oh wow this is connected to me it'll be such a more pleasant experience because women often want to know like why aren't i in the mood for sex or why doesn't it feel good but yet they walk around like not liking their body not masturbating so why would you get into the moment with a partner and then all of a sudden like totally. it totally you've spoken about self-pleasure and masturbation is that something that you think's really important for all women because i'm sure there's some women listening that haven't or don't do it often i think it's important for all women whether they're in a relationship or they're out of a relationship to take time to understand your body and what feels good to you get a toy use your fingers lock the door and prioritize it because not only is it just to understand your body, that's important. But an orgasm actually feels good. It's a mind shifter. It 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 releases all those feel good hormones that allow you to you know feel elation. It can help with clear your skin, PMS, body love. Once you realize what your body's capable of, you're like my body's badass. Mm-hmm. Like I love it. I recommend it. It is prescriptive. If you listen to to what everything I talk about, like I I think it's important for women to have a healthy masturbation practice. Because if you don't want to because you think it's wrong, how is that belief informing your sex life? Like what else isn't right? And does that message that you heard about not touching yourself or masturbation is something to be shamed? Like does that is that still true to you or was it something you heard growing up? And so I just get women to challenge their beliefs around this stuff. It's a process, right? So maybe the first time it's weird or, you know, I'm not saying you're going to do it and love it, but you get into a practice like everything else, you'll realize that like sex begets sex. The more orgasms you have, you're going to want more sex. You're going to want more orgasms. You're going to want to share it with a partner or just keep your, because what if you're in between relationships and you don't masturbate? Well, then where are you having your orgasms? Mm. Like they're so, they're so important for our well, overall well-being. It impacts your mood. It gives you a rush. It can help your, yeah, it improves so many things. So, Oh, and I do it for several hours at a time. So it's great for my abs too because my stomach muscle, it's like a workout the next day. I can barely move. I can't breathe properly because my ribs hurt. Yeah. Exactly. Do you do the orgasm workout? <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. women need an incentive. <laughs> I don't know. 100%. So what are some of the most common questions you get from your listeners? Because I'm sure you get flooded with DMs and People calling in, what is the most common? Well, I would say that my audience is so interesting. It's 50% men, 50% women. It's split. From women, it's often, why can't I have an orgasm during penetration? I would say that's really common. Uh, Also, all genders want to know about their libidos. Like, how come I'm not in the mood for sex? My partner wants more than I do. That's really common. Men often worry about their penis size. Um, there's a lot of stuff about relationship. I mean, I would say like the most common is typically about orgasms. And then for men, it's like a penis issue. Like maybe they come too quickly or they don't come at all. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have learned a lot. Thanks so much. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. 
All right. Well, over to you, Bianca. What's your product you didn't know you needed? Okay. So I work with Vush. I'm an ambassador for them, but this is not the reason why I'm using this product as my reason. But yeah, the Empress, which is a little clitoral vacuum, I did not know that I needed that in my life and can't live without it. (laughs) Yeah, I can't go past it. Like it just because I'd always use vibrators and so I wasn't super used to the idea of a suction, but it's just so gentle. And the reason why it's so good is because I like to have really long masturbation sessions and I feel that the vibrator is so intense on my clitoris, right? That I have to have a little bit of a break between because I get hypersensitive that I can't handle those intense vibrations. But that little vacuum is so gentle. Mm. Like it's intense, but uh, yeah, it's just gentle enough that you can keep using it. I would really recommend when I first heard about this product, I went like any beauty product that I would ever use. I go and read reviews and there are actually some of the reviews about the Vouche are so funny because women like are so happy with the whole experience yeah so go and check out some of the reviews if like you're unsure like I can confirm it is like ridiculous 100% like so many people would message me and say like you know I bought it and I'm just not I don't get it like I don't know if I'm doing it right and my advice is just manually orgasm like just hands right get your first one out of the way and then use the Vush Empress on your clitoris because it's already stimulated and then you'll kind of get used to that feeling and then you will literally never be able to go past it again because it's just such an intense like it just ah that reminded me of a meme I saw that said like masturbation with your hands did you see that someone called it acoustic acoustic. (laughs) 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 masturbation unplugged like yeah seriously So my product I didn't know I needed is actually the Womanizer Duo, which I spoke about before. It's the one that kind of looks like, I'm looking at it now. It doesn't actually look like a gun, but anyway, that's the best that I could do. It has the clitoral stimulation um, similar to the Vouche, the Empress, but then it's also combined with G-spot stimulation. So it's basically like a suction device connected to an internal vibrator. It's quite technical to like learn how to use because it's got yeah. it's got 12 intensity levels to choose from for the clitoral stimulator and the vibrator, but then it's got 10 vibration modes. <laughs> it's there's so much to work out. So you're it, just guessing the whole time as it's going? Like you just So not only can you turn up the intensity, you can turn up the like oh. the different modes it has like slow, then fast, then, you know, like all the... That that one that's like... Yes! (laughs) No one wants that. Stop giving us that option. (laughs) So, and then the other thing was, as I was talking to you about, where it's got something called, it's called smart silence, which means the device only starts when the stimulation head comes into contact with your skin. So that it's not just like vibrating as soon as you turn it on and then you put it under the covers or whatever you're doing. It's like wizardry. I don't know how... How they did it. So do you not turn it on? You click the on button, it does nothing, and then <laughs> you put it on your body <laughs> and then it starts to, to do its that thing. That is witchcraft. I <laughs> am getting this thing just to find. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it does. And it does. does it yeah, like it it looks, <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like a space age, you know, gun or, or a Lego man's hand. I can't decide between those two. But, yeah, it's an interesting 
look. And this one's an investment. It's $329. So it doesn't come cheap, but um, there's quite a lot to it. <laughs> yeah. Like think of how many orgasms it gets you. Like, can yeah. you really put a price no, on that? Absolutely no, not. you can't. <laughs> no, like, there's no, like, why would you ever? Anyway, those are our products we didn't know we needed. I have to thank you so much, Bianca, for joining me on this episode. That went really <laughs> quickly. <laughs> that was great. I'll be back next week for another bonus episode of BDIQ After Dark. So see you then. Bye.